theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaquia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Well, hello, Dr. Joy. Hello, Dr. Amy. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, we talk all the time about education, recruitment, and how we have to have more gentlemen in the profession. Yes. Especially gentlemen of color and diverse backgrounds. We have such an increase in the number of students who are children of color, of different racial and ethnic backgrounds, and they need to see people in the classroom who understand and have had similar experiences. Right. And they need to see people that look like them. And I grew up with that experience where I didn't see teachers that looked like me. So it's important, not only for male students, but even female students to see males in the classroom and especially males of color and to see them in that positive role model. Not only do we have a teacher shortage, we know that, right? But we have a shortage of minority teachers and even more so that of males. So I'm excited about this conversation today. We get to meet some of the males in the secondary, no, elementary. So normally, Amy, we see males. When we do see males, typically they're in secondary, right? Exactly. So it's a rare occasion that we get to meet either early childhood or elementary teachers who are males. So I'm excited. (laughs) Well, and you know, and our audience and listeners know that we don't shy away from some tough topics. So I want to talk to them about some challenges or perceived issues in their communities that might keep people from entering the teaching profession. What is it that keeps men second guessing themselves when they have a passion for education? So I want to introduce John Ruiz, who has an elementary education major and graduated from Kankakee, and Douglas Barrage, who is also an elementary education student and graduated from Madsen. Both schools are fairly close to Governor State University, and so it's a pleasure to have both of these gentlemen on the show with us today. Hi, John. Hi, Douglas. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? 
great glad you could join us we know that you're busy but we are excited to have you we're excited about this conversation so i'm going to get started okay okay Okay. So I want to hear from both of you one at a time, because Dr. Amy and I, we were talking about not only is there a shortage of teachers, there's also a shortage of minority teachers and especially males. So you fit into these categories. And so we are elated to see you in this profession. And I'm sure you get that a lot. But tell us about that pivotal point in your life where you decided that you wanted to become a teacher. Let's start with you first, John. Okay. I have always found a passion for teaching since a young age. I started out as a self-employed babysitter slash tutor. I work with students from my neighborhood, grades from one through middle school. And I remember I moved out from my hometown to Kankiki, and I actually volunteered to help my classmates out because I had this English teacher who was not really compassionate to the students. I actually volunteered to help these students. Many of those students were coming from minority backgrounds, from Latinx and African descent, and many of them come from different backgrounds and they were going through a lot such as like similar situations like myself like economic disadvantage problems from home and I really want want to encourage them to continue with their education and one student told me that hey John you should be a teacher one day you have the knowledge and you have the patience to become one And during that time, I was like 16. I didn't know what I really wanted to do with my life. So, but that actually was was a... Yeah. Yeah, he gave you that confirmation because you, Mm -hmm. it seemed like you always had this disposition to -hmm. be a teacher early on. And then that student confirmed it for you. How was it for you? Tell us about when you made that decision, Douglas, to become a teacher. Yeah, so when I was younger, I would always play school and had two aunts that were teachers as well. And I feel like that played a big role on me wanting to become a teacher just by like playing and having my notebooks and watching my teachers in the classroom. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so you come from a family of educators. Yes. So you saw some of the some of the joys of being a teacher. (laughs) You always liked the new smell of crayons and notebooks and pencils when you're school shopping, right? I should have known at a much (laughs) younger age that I was going to be a teacher. I didn't know until it hit me across the head. But I have a question about some of the factors that went into your decision to teach. What might have been some negative or positive factors that influenced or affected this decision-making process? I would share from my experience, both positive and negatives. I actually was encouraged from my previous bilingual teachers to be in the field. And before I got into 
education, I was majoring different majors. First, I started out as engineering. I didn't like it. Then I transitioned to the medical field. It wasn't for me. And then one of my advisors from the community college that I transferred, her name is uh, Jenica Rodriguez. She gave me some good advice that I would also share to my future students. Don't focus too much on the salary. Focus something that you actually like, that you're passionate about. And at first, it was hard to admit that I really want, wanted to become a teacher. But it's something that I have been passionate about. What about you, Douglas? So for me, I didn't go into the field right away. I tried to, because I love music as well. So I started out becoming a music major. And I, because I was kind of like nervous that I wouldn't do so well as being a male teacher. And then one day I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I started working at a daycare center and the kids love me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna change my major because I'm great at this. It's awesome. Like, and I feel like this is where I should be. And the passion just came from being around kids and working with kids hands-on in a daycare center. And that's what brought the passion and love to educate and seeing how me being able to teach them something, like it just was a great feeling from there. We don't see this very often. Which kind of brings me to my next question. We only, we, there's about 24% of teachers are males in the United States. So that's a really low number. So the majority of our teachers are white females. And so we don't see a lot of males. And then most males are secondary teachers. Only 11% of males in the teaching profession teach in elementary or early childhood. My husband was actually a middle school teacher, but he, he was an art teacher. So he did the whole gamut and it was, it was just such a powerful, he made such a powerful statement in his school. Having that male figure in the school was so meaningful for many, many of the students. And I would say also the teachers as well. What are you hoping? Because it's undeniable that you guys are male. You may want to be treated as one of the same, but it is undeniable that you guys bring something different to the classroom. What is it that you hope to bring to your students as a minority male teacher? Oh, okay, um, Douglas. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Let's hear it. <laughs> so I would like to bring like just the high expectation automatically a new learning experience in the classroom and a welcoming experience for each student so that they are able to feel comfortable to learn and comfortable to bring their own ideas on how they would like to learn and be open to their different ways to learn material. And just having like that conversation, that open-ended discussion with my students. Like I don't want them to ever feel like they can't talk to me because they feel like I'm just kind of over the classroom. So I want to always have that communication in the classroom. I feel like that's, that's very, very important. And one of the things you may want to have to guard yourself, because I'm happy that you said that the first thing, high expectations. Because oftentimes, because this is a female-dominated profession, 
when they see a male teacher, they want to call upon you for, to help with discipline and things like that and not call on you for those academic things. So I want you, I'm glad you said that and hope that you keep that to the forefront and that you make sure that you relay that to all the teachers. You're here for high expectation. You're not here just to bring brawn to the profession and do discipline. How about you, John? Mine is very similar as Douglas. I really want my students to have a positive learning experience and also set some high expectations and try to learn something new every day. And that is really relevant to their own lives and their own communities. There's always been this question, not only in my generation for a really long time, Sometimes kids are really curious, why am I learning this? And there are some teachers that they don't want to give the explanation, but someone like myself who, who had different life experiences, I want to incorporate that in the classroom. And also my goal, I, I really want my students to become uh, lifelong learners and to become leaders in our society. Dr. Joy and I were talking before you came on about modeling and about how important it is for students to see someone and to have a relationship with someone who might have similar experiences some similar backgrounds like you said when you were tutoring and helping students in your English class you and those other your peers could relate and now you're bringing that into your classroom I wonder if you could speak a little bit both of you about your experience as a teacher candidate at Governor State University. How has that experience treated you? Your lab work, your experiences, field experiences? How's that going? I could start first. To be honest, uh, when I transitioned to fall of uh, 2020, and this is, this spring is my first semester in the education program as well, Douglas. For me, I have learned pretty much more in depth in the field. And even though it's virtual, I'm still learning ways how to differentiate and how to be to become an effective teacher and you know how to organize and structure lesson plans. And thanks of my professors, it helped me gain that experience. And so even in a virtual learning environment, mm -hmm. there are still some valuable learning experiences happening. Yes. yes. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas, can you speak a little bit about how your experiences are shaping you and how that's going? Yes. So for me, I'm learning to not focus so much on behavior. I learned that during the virtual experience and ways to kind of stay calm. And if I'm not calm, that makes the classroom more chaotic. And I have to be mindful of <laughs> what my students are going through. I never know what background they're coming from and never know what mental state they may be in. So I have to kind of consider all of that while I'm teaching as well. 
and kind of be keep in mind like where I'm at to present the lesson. So I thought that was very powerful this semester. And I took that and I'm going to hold on to that because I feel like it's going to help me in a lot more. When we were asking, talking about why you became a teacher, neither of you mentioned anything about your school counselor. And I think I picked up on something you said, John, that most of you went to a school, I believe, that was predominantly black and brown. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is that the same for you, Douglas? Yes. So neither of you said that your counselors led you to teaching. And we find that a lot, that many students are, they're not geared to go towards teaching and actually they're discouraged to go into teaching especially at schools that are predominantly black and brown. So what are people saying? What does your family say? What did they say when you told them you wanted to be a teacher? Douglas, I have an idea of what your family said because you come from a family of teachers, but I'm interested in what your friends, what do your guy friends think about you becoming a teacher? What do the ladies think about you becoming a teacher? What do your family think about you becoming a teacher? So for me, of course, my family, they're excited. <laughs> and friends, they're like, you're not going to get paid as much. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Just double check and make sure like this is something you're going to be stuck in. And I kind of just remind them that it's not about the salary. It's about a passion and a love for what you want to do and wake up to something that you want to do every day. And family, they just encourage me and tell me to keep going and that they believe that I'll be an awesome teacher. Right. And in about 10 years, when you're making six figures as that teacher, then you can go back and tell them, see, <laughs> right, right. not only can I make a difference in someone's life, but I can also earn a nice salary. So there's a myth to that zone. So you can actually make a great salary as a teacher and make a huge difference. What about you, John? What are the ladies saying? What are the guys saying? What are your families, what's your family saying? So at first, my family weren't that supportive. Also, my guy friends who are majoring into fields that are like well-paid, like business, engineering, or where there's like a male dominance, like criminal justice and stuff. They sometimes say like stuff similar to Douglas. Is it really something that you really want to do? And for me, I had the hard <laughs> experience because like at first they were saying that oh this field is too feminine that's what they actually said right right field is, yeah. this field is too feminine you will not make it in life it's not well paid and sometimes from my family members including my little siblings they said john it's it's a selfish decision you will not Coming from a Mexican background and my parents who are immigrants, pretty much we had from my community, what I have experienced, we're more self-sacrificed, pretty much trying to take our parents out of work. And what I have learned from my counselor, because I also seek counseling, what he said, and it's actually true, it's really hard to to find a career or a job 
to take out from your parents out of work. And we, as many Latinx communities, they have that mindset, you know, like that materialistic mindset. And I'm not trying to offend my community, but it's actually... And I know that's the perception. And trust me, it's just the perception my husband retired after 40 years of teaching. He went into teaching after being in the NFL. So teaching is a guy thing too. He influenced so many males and he was a role model for them. So I wouldn't necessarily listen to that. It's not a female job. It's not a feminine job. It's a job for anybody who wants to make a difference. And you're going to make a huge difference in the lives, not only of boys, but girls too. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a myth about the salary. You can go as far as you want to go in the profession. The longer you're in the profession, the more you continue to go to school, you're going to earn a really nice salary. And then there's other opportunities beyond teaching, such as administration. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to go far in this profession. Yeah, and now they're starting to realize slowly because many of my accomplishments and something that I'm really passionate about, I came a long way choosing something that I'm really passionate about. And like my my parents had a limited education uh, back in Mexico, so I cannot blame them, you know. And but now there's they starting to say, oh, John actually loved this. And pretty much it's, it's my decision, you know. It's my financial and educational decision to become a teacher. We are talking to John Ruiz and Douglas Farage, who are both elementary education majors at Governor State University. And we are having some honest conversations about why people of color, specifically men of color, do not go into the teaching profession. That is my next question. You alluded to it a bit, John, about the breadwinner mindset, kind of the man of the household. But can you speak or can both of you speak a little bit of, well, why you think men are not going into education? as much as uh, women are. Well, John, he kind of spoke about how, so most males have the mindset of how education is already like just a more so of a feminine job, as well as they feel like it's, you don't make as much and they feel like they have to have that dominant title and bring home, as you said, as the breadwinner in the household and now they have to find a different career goal that they're not as happy with because they feel like they have to meet those standards and meet those requirements. And they feel entitled to bringing home all of this money. Yeah, and I can't stress enough just how many benefits are not written on paper when it comes to what teaching is all about. And some of those benefits are financial. They're just not stated as base salary. So keep your eyes open to that. But John, you want to elaborate just a little bit? Yeah. Similar as Douglas, we have as a male, and especially coming from a minority background, 
we have those high expectations and sometimes like and it's sad to be honest it's sad like how about it doesn't have to be me like it could be another male who really wants to go into teaching but then get discouraged from their loved ones or from from society to be honest sorry that i had to go that deep but like sometimes like society gives males like those high expectations like becoming a breadwinner and all of that and i have seen not only myself but i have seen um, many males who just go for a career that it's like just for the salary and they're miserable and they actually want something that they're passionate about and i'm here and i'm saying it humbly i'm here trying to make a difference yeah yeah get rid of that stereotype yeah, yeah. sounds like it so one of our mission part of our strategic plan is to attract more males to the profession we really need to what are some ways do you think that we could attract males to the profession and bring them to Governor State University? I could start with that. If you're passionate for teaching and you love working with children and also make a change with the community, being in the educational field is something for you and it's rewarding. There's always something new every day. If you like learning new stuff every day and having new experiences. It's a right field to be in. I would say for me, like in the flyers, maybe add show more males in the flyers as educators. And even now during like when we're doing our virtual field experience learning, like show more males teaching. I was very, very excited to see males teaching when I was watching my field experience videos it it just encouraged me it gave me like hope that there's other males out there teaching it was refreshing so I believe that that'll attract more males to the education program and kind of have like more males speaking about their experience of being an educator I feel like that'll attract more males to the educational field we need to incorporate more males into our program as faculty and then also maybe link you up in your field experience and student teaching with more males so that's this is, this is really good so when we create a billboard we're going to come look for you guys to be part of that male recruiting i would love that <laughs> male recruiting <laughs> I will, I will that's what i was getting as well <laughs> well really importantly We like to, of course, bring up any issues, but we like to propose solutions as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering about maybe the biggest obstacle you have faced, Mm -hmm. but also how you overcame it, or perhaps how GSU or GSU faculty or peers helped you overcome it. So transferring from a community college and being a virtual student yes I have come across some obstacles and one of the things that I like about myself that whatever life throws at you I never give up I 
tend to have that passion and perseverance. Um, my advice for students or for future educators, try to take advantage of the resources that they offer in your institution. And GSU have been a good institution for me and provide the some supportive resources and the opportunities as well. It helped me continue to grow as a good student and a future educator. And one of the things that I will advise for any student who will be in the educational program, take advantage of resources, communicate effectively with your professors, don't be afraid of asking questions or asking for help. And I really want to provide that for my future students in the classroom to have that confidence and that passion and perseverance to ask questions and ask for resources. That's wonderful. So just knowing the questions to ask. Douglas, was there an obstacle that you faced, but then you overcame and maybe tell us a little bit. Yes. So the obstacle that uh, I faced was actually classroom management. I struggled so much with classroom management. I felt like the kids were not responding to me well. And it was a time, a point in time where I felt like I wasn't able to be a teacher. I'm like, this is not for me. The kids are not even listening. And as time progressed, I remember just talking to my center director and asking her for advice. I'm like, what can I do to get their attention? And how can I do better with classroom management? Because I saw that that was my weak point in the classroom. And also, while I was working at the daycare, I was also enrolled in a couple of classes at Prairie State. And those education courses were very helpful because it talked about how behavior and the zone, proximal development, and all of those things. And I just thought about it and I was like, okay, maybe I should start applying it. I should apply it now. And once I applied in and used those signals and used those like everyday routines, it got better for me and just planning out the day. It's like, okay, everything is more smooth. The classroom management is more intact. So I didn't let that discourage me from wanting to become a teacher. I, actually overcame it by using my resources and just speaking to the director and applying the knowledge skills. I really like what you said, and that's actually a message for all teachers. Sometimes, especially with classroom management, we'll get into emergency mode and we'll forget about all the things that we've learned and the problem just gets worse. So I'm glad that you focused on those research-based things that you've learned while you went to school, implemented it, and then you overcame that obstacle. So that's really good. I do have a final question for you guys. What type of school do you wanna work at? Where do you find yourself working after you graduate? To be honest, like every town or city, they call it, it differently and they structure grade levels differently. I really want to work with middle school. Some middle schools start in fourth or fifth grade through junior high, trying to provide them 
the knowledge to help them with their learning and also gain some life experiences and a positive influence. Well, welcome to the club because Dr. Amy and myself, we started as middle school teachers. It's going to be a blast for you. What yes. about you, Douglas? Where, where do you think you want to work and why? I would love to work in my old district that I grew up in, which is District 162, where I am currently working now. And I'm so excited because I just see like I'll be able to move up and I would like to work with grades like third, fourth, third and up. And I just see myself moving up on the administration train and just very excited about that, yes. Very good. You know what? And I said I only had that one last question, but I do have another one. I'm getting my homework done with them, Amy. If we had a Grow Your Own program in your high school, do you think you would have joined it if we had a teacher Grow Your Own program? Do you think you would have joined? Would you have joined a future teachers club? Yes, I would, because I had some positive teachers in the past that helped me overcome my obstacles and also have the knowledge that I have now. And pretty much trying to encourage other students to get involved and getting involved from my experience really helped me grow and become a good student and a future educator. And also it gives like some preparation for the students for the field? Uh, I believe I would have joined a teacher, future teacher program just because, just to see if it was something that I really wanted to do, if I was committed to it, if the passion was there, and just to see the different tools and like the background of what teaching really is. Because all, like growing up, all I saw was like my aunt's teaching and my uncle's teaching. And I never really got to see like them like late nights bringing papers, lesson planning and in action at the schools. But yeah, so I think that I would have joined just to get the knowledge of the background of being a teacher. It sounds to me like Dr. Joy and I have a lot of recruitment materials to put together and we know what to say because you have really highlighted some gaps that we have in our communication with future teachers and really how to get those education programs into the hands of high school students, starting even with clubs and information sessions and in pamphlets that have your faces on them. It's been a pleasure. It's coming. It's you. coming, guys. So that'll be the Thank next you. email. <laughs> it's been Thank a pleasure. You. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much you for so being much. with us. Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice.
Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.